Hey, it's Chris Garlock with our Pod Extra edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. Excerpts from the weekly meeting of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. On Monday, nurses with the Minnesota Nurses Association announced that 15,000 nurses throughout the state would strike for three days, fighting for fair contracts to put patients before profits. The strike is believed to be the largest private sector nurses strike in U.S. history, and it came after nurses had negotiated with hospital executives for more than five months and had worked without contracts for the last several months. Our guest this week was one of those striking nurses. So my name is Chris Rubish. I'm a cardiac nurse, first and foremost, at Ascentia St. Mary's in Duluth. And I'm a member of our union negotiating team, and I'm MA's first vice president. Welcome. Good to have you here. So tell us about what got you to, uh, to this point. Yeah, so we are out in the nation's largest nursing, largest ever nursing strike, uh, because we're trying to address uh, staffing and uh, patient care issues in our medical facilities. You know, we are doing this because this is an issue we're seeing uh, across our facilities, across the state. Uh, it really goes, goes beyond even Minnesota, but our members uh, are frustrated and we know that we need to address this issue now and we can't wait another three years until our contract comes around. We just, we have to take action and do something. Um, we attempted uh, to address this issue legislatively uh, when MA members came together and worked on uh, staffing legislation in the spring. We got it passed in the Minnesota House. Unfortunately, the Hospital Association lobbied and defeated that bill in the Senate. And so we said, we're going to redouble our efforts and bring this to the contract table. Um, and that's why we're here. Okay. Um... Tell me a little bit. I know I'm, I'm in D.C. and uh, the D.C. Nurses Association went through a similar issue uh, earlier this year. If you would talk about how you see the staffing issue playing out uh, at, the, at the hospital where you work. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's really an issue of needing uh, to invest in our workforce, our nurses, our uh, just human service workers to have the staff needed to care for our patients. Um, and we realize that, that that's going to take a lot of different uh, solutions to a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. And so we feel that uh, putting provisions into our contract that are broad and affect a lot of our um, you know, work-life balance, our staffing and scheduling, our support and um, professional judgment from our hospitals is going to help keep nurses at the bedside and is going to uh, impact how we can safely care for our patients. Uh, one more question for me, then I'll open it up to the rest of the folks here. Um, uh, if you could just talk about what uh, what it's been like being out. Uh, have you have you ever uh, struck before, uh, first of all? And then secondly, what's, what's it been like the last couple of days? Yeah, so for me personally, I've never been on strike. Uh, I've been a, a union member for seven years now, and I've, I've never had to go on strike. And for my particular facility, uh, Central St. Mary's, we've been unionized with m for almost half, more than half a century, and we've never been on strike. Our facility has never needed to take this step. So 
Um, it took uh, a lot of member engagement, uh, education, coming together as a, you know, a democratically run union where we could come together and decide together that this was the step we needed to, to take. And I think that shows how dire the situation is that my members decided to take this, this bold step. Let me uh, open it up to, to some of my colleagues here. Evan, you want to start us off? Sure. And I'm uh, with EML Publishing uh, based around Washington, D.C. So how can we best uh, support this strike right now, Chris? Yeah, uh, I thanks for the question. I, I think anything that, that you can do to continue to uh, lift up the message uh, of um, patient care, patients over profits, and you know, really be using your platforms to uh, pressure our hospital executives to come back to the table to engage in, uh, in negotiations over our staffing proposals. Um, we have introduced, uh, like I said, we, we attempted this legislatively. We brought proposals to the table. Um, we have completely rewritten our staffing proposal three times. Um, the first two times, uh, management has simply rejected it outright and just said, we're not interested. We're, we're barely even going to look at it. It was only on Saturday night at you know the 11th hour that hospitals even responded to our proposal. So we really need pressure on the hospitals to talk to us and work with us on that issue. Thanks, Evan. Uh, Steve Zeltzer. Yeah, um, Chris, my name is Steve Zeltzer. I'm, I'm with Workweek and uh, San Francisco and Pacifica's COVID race and democracy. So I cover the Kaiser nurses who are also without a contract, 22,000 Kaiser nurses, and they may be going on strike, but they talked about the safety, the health and safety hazards. They can't take care of their patients without proper staffing, and they're getting stressed out as well. Um, they have uh, a law in California. They have to have enough uh, nurses or a limit on nurses, but it seems like these HMOs are basically ignoring that. Um, are you involved with the other unions in, in a whole fight to unite the entire labor movement? And what are you doing to reach out to union members uh, who are being affected by this, who are in plans healthcare plans and are being shortchanged by the not uh, the failure to have proper staffing. Yeah, absolutely. So we are, are the Minnesota Nurses Association is affiliated with National Nurses United. Um, so we are affiliated with the nurses in California. Um, so sending uh, solidarity and uh, strength to them uh, as they're going through the same issues. I, I think we're seeing what, what, what we're seeing in Minnesota is not unique, right? This the staffing shortage, the workforce shortage, the failure of our society and government to invest in human service industries in particular um, is, is a nationwide problem. Um, and so we absolutely are working with our brothers and sisters um, in the healthcare industries to push for national legislation because ultimately, while a state-by-state -state approach would be great, this, this is a national problem and it's gonna take a national solution. Have they brought in uh, replacement workers or scabs to take your jobs? They have, yep, yep. Um, so we're hearing mixed reports from different units and different facilities um, who, you know, who are uh, doing the work inside the facility right now. Um, and I, I would say, uh, just uh, in, in an answer to maybe a question that you're all thinking is we're, we're of course happy that the hospital is providing care to the patients. You know, that's the job that we want to do. That's the job that we were trained for. That's what, what, uh, what we love doing. We're just frustrated that uh, it takes a strike for the hospitals to listen to us and to bring in, bring in additional staff. You know, they can clearly do it because they're doing it right now. And if they were to just do that uh, for, 
our shifts on Thursday morning when we return to work, this contract would be settled. They pay those those uh, uh, travelers uh, quite a bit, don't they? They do. They pay those travelers uh, in in some cases, hospitals uh, in Duluth, between six to eight thousand uh, dollars for a week's work down in the metro, potentially even more for certain specialties. So um, it clearly puts a pretty giant hole in the argument that the hospitals are presenting that they don't have the money to, to address this issue. Um, but again, this issue really isn't about the money for, for us. We're out here because we want the staff and they clearly can find the staff. They can clearly pay the staff. So now they just need to follow through with that job. Um, I'll just add that as we began having staffing proposal discussion with management, um, they kept insisting this is a management responsibility. It's management's responsibility to staff the hospital. Um, and so I think they need to step up and they need to fulfill that responsibility 365 days a year, not just three days when we decide to go on strike. Thanks for talking to us. I mean, I just, uh, I don't know how much of a question this is, but I just think about the amount that as uh, we've drawn from my paycheck every month on health insurance and like many of you as well. And it seems this is a you know so much a, a worker issue, but so much a patient issue as well. That um, we put in all this money into these plans that it, I don't know. That it seems both workers and patients' interests completely in, are in alignment on this. Absolutely, and uh, I'll put it put a put a finer point on that too and you know for most of the nurses that uh, I work with we are you know like like all of all workers we're both patients and the, the caregivers right at some point we or our family members are all patients um, in our facilities our health care is tied to our jobs so we are patients in our own facility um, I know my wife and I just had a kiddo and so you know I've now seen the bill from that and it's really shocking to me that we work there uh, and we have their health care and yet I'm paying a, a pretty astronomical rate um, to, to get this service. Um, and and it's, it's pretty gut-wrenching that other people um, might not be able to even uh, reach that level of health care because they don't have uh, health care provided through their job. They don't have adequate health care. They're underinsured. Um, it's just a, it's an issue we need to address address systemically. Uh, so you mentioned that this uh, nursing staffage, uh, staffing issue is a national issue, not a, just a local one. Could you explain some of the drivers of uh, this problem? Is it that you know nurse wages are not high enough to attract more workers, or do you think it's something else? I I think it's something else. I, I I'll speak. Well, I'll, I'll speak first for Minnesota and I'll say, you know, Minnesota nurses um, tend to be um, in the upper, uh, upper um, statistically uh, in terms of our, our wages. So I think what we're seeing in Minnesota is nurses, is a shortage of nurses who are willing to work in the conditions that we have, right? So a lot of the proposals that we have at the table aren't about money. They're about work-life balance. They're about allowing nurses enough time away from the bedside to recover from moral injury. They're about um, scheduling. They're about um, other benefits that uh, make nurses feel supported, um, be safe in the workplace, things, things of that nature. So I think we're seeing um, in Minnesota, at least for the coworkers I have um, and my, my 15,000 uh, siblings here, it's, it's about being supported and taken care of by our 
by our employers. Nationwide, I know that's an issue. And I know in other states, nurses aren't paid as well as they are in Minnesota. And so wages are certainly a factor. Um, and I'll just add that I think recent union unionization drives and recent um, strikes in other industries really highlight the fact that workers are realizing that conditions in their places of work um, aren't what they could be. And so we're seeing more and more workers um, striking or taking labor action, demanding dignified work, safe work. Judy, Judy and Sarah. Well, just a comment, which is that I was just listening to um, Max Alvarez's interview with some railroad workers about the uh, oncoming, mm -hmm. possibly oncoming railroad strike. Yeah. They're the same issues. Yeah. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, this isn't, it's, this is a systemic problem, not just in healthcare. It's yeah. a systemic problem with the working class. Absolutely. That, um, you know, like because the railroads have the power to abuse railway workers and not allowing them any time off for their families either. And, you know, forcing unsafe conditions on them. Um, I, I, it sounds like you, you all have the same issues and, you know, I don't know what the labor movement can do as a whole, but it seems to me that, you know, like one of the things is to highlight this is, is a systemic issue and not just having to do with individual unions wanting more. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, um, thank you well, for that. I, I, I've got a question. Is, is the, is the AFL-CIO in Minnesota sent out a letter to all the members of these healthcare plans? I mean, there are millions of union members who are in these healthcare plans who are being shortchanged by the problem and, and put in danger by the problem in the hospitals. Is there an effort to get the, the members of these healthcare plans who are themselves union members involved in fighting these companies? Like, like, are you uh, like asking specifically about like the um, members of other union healthcare? Yeah, well, unions? our labor council, I mean, yeah. we had a meeting last night. They didn't even come up. Mm, yeah. So you know, I mean, in other words, if we got all, all the union members who were members of these HMOs organized right. to say, stop screwing with the nurses, stop screwing with our care in the hospitals, that would have an effect. Yeah. Yeah. So we we're in the early stages of that. And I'm really proud of um, I'm in the Northeast Area Labor Council uh, in kind of northern Minnesota. Um, so both uh, in my um central body, as well as statewide, um, I represent uh, m &A on the state AFL-CIO executive board. And we have started to create um, roundtables and listening sessions between the different unions, especially unions that provide uh, like the building trades who provide insurance for their members. So working with them on exactly what you're talking about, how we can structurally change the insurance market um, but also ensure that those union members aren't losing their awesome health care, uh, aren't losing their benefits, um, protecting that, but making sure that we're just what you're saying, putting pressure um, by exerted by union members onto the health plans, onto the healthcare providers, the hospital systems, um, because you're right, that's a huge untapped um, resource that we could, we could be having some really big actions on. And then, Chris, if I could get you, to, I think you were just starting to respond to uh, Judy's point, because uh, I was thinking the same thing, because I just interviewed oh, yeah. a train a train uh, worker, and I was thinking, geez, these yeah. do sound awfully familiar. Do you want to respond to that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, that Judy. I was, I was just going to uh, kind of mention that I think we're seeing that across the, um, you know, labor movement. I um, certainly not, not a historian, but I would say, um, based on what I what I know and what I've read, you know, we've certainly had um, 
early, you know, 1900s labor workers looking for safety, uh, um, you know, standards in terms of how many hours we can work, weekends, minimum wage. And I think now we're almost seeing a resurgence of that. We're seeing um, mm -hmm. the trends in places of work, businesses being towards maximum flexibility for the owners, maximum flexibility in scheduling and staffing, just in time scheduling. And, and we've started to see that kind of mentality creep into um, education, into railway uh, workers, into hospitals, and workers are pushing back. And I think it's a good thing. And I think it's a long time coming um, because that sort of um, flexibility is exactly what we workers don't want. Um, we want to have a say in our workplaces. We, we want to have guaranteed shifts. We want to know when our schedules are. We want to have uh, a say in that. And so it's, it's definitely frustrating to see it creeping into uh, other industries. And I'm very heartened to see a lot of workers organizing, coming together and saying, we don't have to take that. We can push back. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Um, and uh, from all of us, solidarity, brother, to, uh, to all of you and, and your siblings. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And, you know, just uh, we're, we're thinking about all of you and uh, uh, returning that solidarity right back. I'm just so excited for the future of the labor movement as we see uh, our strength and our numbers grow. Chris Rubesh, one of the 15,000 Minnesota nurses who struck for three days this week. He's also first vice president of the Minnesota Nurses Association. That's it for this Pod Extra edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, produced and edited by me and our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. Look for our full episode on Friday as usual. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website, laborradionetwork.org. For Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your local Labor Radio Podcast show. <laughs>